Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it is Wednesday, May the 18th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. There's an interesting article in the New York Post today by Peter Van Buren, and it is a retrospective on COVID, what we went through and what we know in hindsight. And in order to get to where I want to go in this podcast, I need to take you through that article a bit. Although it is a retrospective on COVID, he draws some interesting conclusions that are fact-based, and it sets the foundation for what I want to warn you about before this podcast is over. And it's a warning you need. In the article, Van Buren notes that Sweden had zero excess deaths with COVID, while the United States had the most excess deaths of any nation in the world. If you don't know what excess deaths are, we're talking about deaths that occurred beyond what normally would have occurred in that year from other illnesses and diseases, other causes of death, medical causes of death, based on data from prior years. In fact, New York, if we get to the micro level, not the macro, not the global, but the United States level, New York had more excess deaths than Florida. Yet New York had the most stringent and restrictive policies around COVID. And let us not forget the Andrew Cuomo elderly with COVID put back into the nursing homes. But in addition to that, just their approach to COVID, masking and distancing and lockdowns were the most stringent. Yet New York had more excess deaths than Florida that did very little in that regard. Now, the number of cases was tied to the number of tests. So if you had a lot of cases in your region of the country or in your state, that may have only been an indication that there were that many more tests done because, of course, positive COVID results required positive COVID testing or COVID testing with a positive result. Hospitalizations killed people, but it also killed people with COVID because they were put on respirators. And if you remember, in the beginning, they thought that was the be all and end all. And in fact, what they were doing was killing people on respirators because they were adverse to proper lung function with the coronavirus. In addition, the elderly who were the most vulnerable often entered hospitals for other reasons. You know, an average after age 77 is when most people die in this country. And so people at that age have a variety of illnesses that are connected to old age, whether it's cancer, whether it's heart disease, whatever those failing organs are, they wind up in hospitals. Well, people went to hospitals, the elderly went to hospitals with conditions other than COVID. They caught COVID in the hospital and they died in the hospital. And of course, all of them were marked as COVID deaths, which of course bumped up the statistics. In fact, in 2020, heart disease and cancer 
each, each, not together, each killed double the amount of what COVID killed in 2020. The only real relevant statistic to COVID is excess deaths. And as I said earlier, Sweden had zero, having done little with the mitigation efforts, with the masks and the distancing and the uh, lockdowns. And yet we had the most in the United States of all Western countries. In addition, the collateral damage that was done, that we paid, especially in those states that were highly locked down, regulatorily masked, and distancing was mandatory in public spaces, the collateral damage of addiction and suicide and unemployment and the social unrest and the failing grades of students, all of that was a byproduct of how incorrectly the COVID pandemic was handled. Do you know that we are the only Western nation that still requires a negative test for entering the country? Now, that's coming in legally, obviously. Illegally, you can come in with COVID or, or tuberculosis or measles or any other disease across the southern border. But we still do require a negative COVID test to come into the country, which is absolutely insane, right? Because you're talking about coming in from, let's say, Canada, the East Coast, or the West Coast. You need a negative COVID test. But if you come in through Texas or Arizona or New Mexico or even Southern California illegally, you can come in diseased out the wazoo. Okay. Why did I want you to hear what Van Buren had to say in his article, that summary of the effect of how we handled COVID versus how it was handled, let's say, in Sweden? Why? Because the Biden administration met this week and the Gates Foundation also beginning to talk about a new pandemic worse than what we just went through, likely in the fall or winter, fall of 2022, that's this fall, and the winter of 2023. Now, number one, how do they know? How do they know that we are likely to go through another pandemic, perhaps worse than the one we just went through? Well, they probably know because they're probably working on a vaccine, in quote, in preparation, just as they did when they worked on the vaccine for COVID before we had COVID. And I know that that's accurate because as an attorney, I combed through the patents, Pfizer and Merck and Anthony Fauci's efforts for decades to patent a vaccine. All of that was in play before COVID hit. So we had the cure before, or the remedy, if you believe that the vaccine or that it even is a vaccine, if you believe that mRNA technology was a, was a cure or was a mitigating factor in COVID, we had it before we had COVID. So maybe that's how they know something worse is coming this winter, because just as the other was a lab leak theory turned to be true, most likely, maybe we're going to have another leak in the fall. Why is that important? It's important for the following reason. And this is the warning I want to give. From May 22nd until May 28th of this month, there will be a vote at the WHO, at the World Health Organization, which is the governing body of the World Health Assembly. Every country is a member. And every country will be voting, except Taiwan, who was disinvited, because China is going to represent them which is interesting because I don't think the Taiwanese actually are on that train. But anyway, they're going to vote. And what are they voting on? 
They're voting on amendments to an existing treaty. Where are those amendments from? They're from the Biden administration. Hear me out. They're from the Biden administration. Our United States government, this administration has turned over amendments to be voted on at the WHO at the end of this month. And let me tell you what the amendment does. It empowers the director general to declare a health emergency or a crisis in any nation unilaterally against the opposition of the target nation based on his personal opinion of the potential or the possibility of a threat to other nations. I just read that verbatim. Let me put that in plain English. The Biden administration has offered an amendment that will be voted on between May 22nd and May 28th. It's going to take away your autonomy about your own body. Those people who are out there railing against the potential that Roe v. Wade will be reversed because a woman has a right to her body and what she decides to do with it or not do with it, those people ought to be out of their minds if they were thinking for themselves, if they were cognizant of anything other than their own political agenda. Why? Because this amendment that, again, the Biden administration has proposed for a vote, a global vote at the WHO this month, I can't repeat it often enough, will take away your personal autonomy about your body. How? Here's how. It empowers the director general of the WHO to, on his own opinion, on only a possibility or a potential of an outbreak somewhere that would potentially harm another nation. It gives him unilateral power to declare a state of a health emergency in that country, even if that country's governance opposes it, as in our Congress. Even if our Senate and our Congress opposed it, it would not hold any water because we are giving up autonomy. Now, not only autonomy to make the decision, but if the WHO ultimately then decides that what's needed in the country that's allegedly a threat is that every single person be vaccinated in order to prevent it spreading to another member of WHO, then guess what? Your government can do nothing to stop forced injection of you or any other lockdown or health decision that the director general of the WHO makes because your president, Joseph Biden, and his administration, and he's your president, he's not my president, this president has offered a vote to the WHO that will do just that, that will take away not only our sovereignty to make our own decisions about our own health situation in this country, it will ultimately cause you to lose your own sovereignty over your own body. Now, here's the last interesting fact about all of this. The WHO is going to vote on this May 22nd to, what did I say, the 28th, I think, Normally, when those amendments are proposed, well, let me back up one second. The reason they're doing amendments and not a new treaty is because a treaty has to be ratified by Congress, and he knows he can't get that done by the Senate. So they're doing it as an amendment to an existing treaty. Now, typically, historically, up until right now, when amendments are proposed, there's an 18-month period following the proposed amendment when members can object or decline to participate. They can basically reject the amendments. 
they can discuss it for 18 months, you can gather information for 18 months, and then you can kind of opt in or opt out and vote no. Along with the amendment that the Biden administration has proposed that I just described to you, they have proposed shortening the 18 months to six months. You do the math. May, six months later, is November, the midterms. Why are they doing it this way? Why are they decreasing the period during which a nation can withdraw or object? Here's why. If they get this thing rammed through in May, the end of this month, nations will only have six months. If they only have six months, you know that this Congress, this Biden Congress, isn't going to opt out. It's going to let it happen. Now you might think, yes, but it'll be November and then we'll have a new Congress. Here's the problem. Even if the Republicans take the House and the Senate in November, they won't be sworn in until January. This Congress, this Republican Congress right now will be able to hold off any effort to not have us be part of this horrific proposal that the Biden administration has put forward to the WHO. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't think everything is a conspiracy, but I do think that some things are fact. And when something is factually accurate, you can't call it a conspiracy. I mean, you can, but that's just you trying to promote an agenda. The statistics and the conclusions in the Van Buren article in today's New York Post are fact. They are based on data and they are based on what we actually experienced as Anthony Fauci and Joe Biden tried to lock down this country to deal with COVID. Those are facts. The meeting in Switzerland, the WHO, the end of this month is fact. The amendments proposed by the Biden administration are fact. The shortening of the objection period from 18 months to six months is fact. That this Congress will still be in session and will still have the yay or nay come November until this objection period is over is fact. That the coronavirus vaccine, the mRNA technology by Merck and Pfizer were all patented before the virus broke is fact. That it was allegedly bats flying around the Wuhan fish market. I say that jokingly, they weren't flying around. They were, I think they were supposedly dead and being sold for food, but that it came out of the Wuhan fish market was fiction. That it was a lab leak is by all scientific evidence at this time, likely fact. That Joe Biden's administration and the Gates Foundation, good old Bill Gates, are now talking about a new pandemic for the fall of 2022 and the winter of 2023 is fact. The only supposition that I'll make here is that they're probably working on the next vaccine that you absolutely must get and that the director general of the WHO will demand that you have and that your nation may in fact force you this next time, not give you the option, not try to scare the hell out of you like they did the last time so that people who didn't even need it, like children who were 3000% less likely to come down with COVID also have to get the COVID vaccine in order to go to school. Whatever it is, 
There is no doubt in my mind that there is something nefarious going on. It's going on by this administration in many, many directions. But the one I'm most concerned about at the moment is the possibility of a new pandemic. Because next time, they'll get right all the things they got wrong this time that allowed you to get away with still making your own decisions, that allowed the Ron DeSantis's of the world to implement monoclonal antibodies, that allowed doctors to still prescribe ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and zinc and D3 and C and all of the therapeutics. Next time, they won't be that sloppy. They won't make that mistake. So now the real question becomes, what do we do about it? Now that knowledge is power, and all of this is pretty much out in the open, if you want to look for it and find it, you can on your own. Don't believe me. Don't take me as the word. Do your own homework. Look some of this stuff up on the web. Look at Peter Van Buren's article in the New York Post from today. Look at the meeting of the WHO. Look at, at the end of this month. Look at the amendments that the Biden administration proposed. Look at the shortening of the objection period from 18 months to six months. Look at it all yourself. It is in our hands. It is our individual responsibility to not allow them to get away with this again because this time they'll kill twice as many people or three times as many people. The reason they will even attempt it is because we were so quick to acquiesce last time, because we were so easy to scare, because so many of us were sheep, because I still see people walking around in sunny daylight here in Texas in one of the places where we were the most sane around this. I saw people yesterday in crazy Austin, which the motto is, let's keep Austin weird, and they do, I saw people waiting for a bus yesterday in Austin, a mother and a son, with their masks on, sitting in the sunshine, waiting for the bus. I saw people in Whole Foods, of course, liberal haven, wearing masks. You could tell they were nervous even about social distancing because there's talk of cases again. Well, yes, it's a virus, and yes, it'll come around again. But like my doctor in Pennsylvania told me two decades ago, when I asked him if I should get the flu shot, he said to me, I never want you to get the flu shot. I want you to get the flu because I want you to build up immunity to next year's flu and the year after that and the year after that. So I never have gotten the flu vaccine. I also didn't get the COVID vaccine. I had my therapeutics and I was prepared to do what I needed to do. And I'm in a high risk group but I don't scare easily. And I'm hoping that next time, which is about to be this time, you don't scare easily as well. You know how to make that happen? Think for yourself. I'm Carol Gold. Thanks for listening. I'll be back Thursday with more Texas Insider. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time 
to think for yourself.